0: Great to be with you on this intermissions weekend, and it has been good to catch up with so many former colleagues and current colleagues and even colleagues on the other side of the world have connected with us this morning and let us know that they're watching in from the other side of the world. So a shout out to y'all out there in web world. If you have your Bibles, uh, open them to 1 Timothy chapter 2, 1 Timothy chapter 2, and we'll be looking at the first seven verses this morning. I was given a question for this weekend and the question I'm to answer is why missions? Why missions in the 21st century? Why continue to send cross-cultural workers to the ends of the earth? Uh, after all, there is a world wide web that can reach every nation. Uh, there are churches in every country, right? Well, it turns out that the Great Wall of China is now the great web blocker of China and they're trying to keep out any outside influence from reaching their people. In the Maldives, they claim to be 100% Muslim, and as far as we know, there is no Maldivian church worshiping in the Maldives today. There are challenges of getting this good news to the ends of the earth, but if we're going to answer that question, we need to go to Scripture and see a picture. See a picture of what is to be in Revelation chapter 7, verse 9. It says this, After this I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number, from every nation and from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes and palm branches in their hands, and crying out with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb." So it seemed that that the church needs to penetrate deeper than just geopolitical nations. And to get a, a to understand that to be reminded of that we need to go to the great commission. Where Jesus said all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Therefore go and make disciples of all the nations. The pantata ethnē. That word is the same word used in Revelation that John used to describe nations, but he also used three other descriptors of people we need to get the gospel to. Nations, yes, tribes, peoples, and languages. So until we get the gospel to every nation, tribe, people, and language, and until we see that great multitude that no one can count, our work is not done. We have a job to do in getting the good news to the very ends of the earth so that one day we will see that great multitude that no one could number. What an amazing vision that will be. And that is our job to fill out that vision, to be a part of proclaiming the good news to the ends of the earth until Jesus comes again. Now, since we know that's the answer to the question, what's our part? What part will we play in getting the good news to the ends of the earth. Well, three words this morning I'd like you to remember, and it started with two, but I added a third this morning sitting back there in that back row before the service started this morning. So we need to be praying, proclaiming, and then patroning. Last night I saw you patroning. I made up that word this morning because it just kind of described what you were doing last night. You are, you are patroning like out of control. I mean, who spends $5,000 on a parking place? That is awesome. So you're patroning the gospel as well. Well, proclaiming, praying, patroning. Every night in Varanasi, India, there's an elaborate worship service that takes place along the banks of the Ganges River. They gather there by the thousands, and the bells are clanging, the, the smoke is rising, the bodies are burning. They're worshiping, not the Most High God, they're worshiping the goddess of the Ganges River. And they gather there every night to do this. Many of them hope to die along the banks of the Ganges River and have their body burned there and their ashes flow into that river because they think that is their one-way trip to nirvana. Thousands come there just to, to dip their bodies in that water to be cleansed. They're seeking hope and they, they come from all over the world to worship at that place, they're seeking the way and the truth, and they're seeking life, but they've yet to find it in the one who can give them the way, the truth, and the life. Instead, they, they wander through dark temples, and they bow toward lifeless idols. That world that they're in there is very much similar to the world that Paul and Timothy lived in when there was rampant idol worship around the ancient world, and they had various encounters with those People who worshiped idols and with the demonic that is behind those, those idols. But they, they had the challenge of bringing this good news to a world that had no clue of who God was. And in many ways, we're going to a similar world today. They have no clue who God really is. And, and it's our job to be about proclaiming that good news to them. In fact, this morning, there were idol worshipers in your area. Right here in the Wake Forest area, there were those who bowed toward idols and worshiped in that way. In this first letter to Timothy, Paul is exhorting young Timothy to guard the gospel, to guard the truth, to proclaim the truth, to fight for the truth of the gospel. And then he begins to lay out a practical way to put that into practice. So the first thing he talks about is here in verse Two, uh, chapter 2, verses 1 through 7. First of all, then, I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for all people, for kings and all who are in high positions or positions of authority, that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. This is good, and it is pleasing in the sight of God our Savior. Who desires all people to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God, and there is one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all, which is the testimony given at the proper time. For this I was appointed a preacher and an apostle. I'm telling the truth. I am not lying. A teacher of the Gentiles in faith and truth. Supplications prayer, intercessions, thanksgivings. Paul is exhorting us to pray, and there's an urgency about this. We're on a life-saving mission, church. People are dying every day and entering a Christless eternity. In fact, in the next 24 hours, 155,473 people will enter eternity separated from God forever. There needs to be a sense of urgency about this task. Now, the task we're talking about begins on our knees, begins in an earnest and urgent prayer for peoples who have yet to hear the gospel. And this is the, the easiest part of accomplishing this aspect of the Great Commission in praying, because you don't need a passport. You don't need to get out of bed to start praying in the morning. You don't need to travel to the other side of the world and get deli belly like many of us do on our first trips to that part of the world. You want to have influence over, over kings and rulers and those power brokers and slums and cities and counties and countries? Pray. Your prayers make an impact on the other side of the world. A.B. Simpson was the founder of the Christian Missionary Alliance, and he had a globe by his, his bedside table. And in the morning, he would fall on his knees and grab that globe, and he would begin weeping and praying over the nations that they would have an opportunity To hear the good news of Christ. Now, we may not have a a globe by our bedside table anymore, but we have these. And on an app called IMB Pray, you can pray around the world before you get out of bed. IMB Pray, Pray, you pray through all nine affinities that we have around the world, all nine regions of the world, specific prayer requests every morning. They're brand new for you to begin to pray for all peoples. Paul is saying pray for a variety of peoples. Uh, Pray for the Jewish and Gentile believers and those that have yet to come to know Christ in Ephesus. Pray for those Jews and Gentiles to come to know him. There were Gnostic heretics in those days who were sort of the religious elite that said, no, no, only the religious elite are the ones that will enter. But he's saying, no, we need to pray for all peoples, for all to come to know him. So we pray for a variety of peoples. Now, how can we begin to add some variety to our prayer lives? Well, I've got a challenge for you in the morning. When you go into your closet, you get your shirt, your blouse, look at, see where it was made. If it was made in Peru, made in Vietnam, uh, made in China. And then begin to pray right there. Pray for Peruvians to come to faith in Christ. Pray for Vietnamese to come to faith in Christ. Pray for the Chinese to come to faith in Christ. Pray for people from different socioeconomic backgrounds. Uh, pray for wealthy people, patrons. Last night you were patroning quite well as you gave generously to the mission of God, in reaching the nations with the gospel. Pray for those who are poor. 49% of the world's poor live in South Asia. And COVID has been extremely hard on hand-to-mouth cultures. As, as you travel around the world, you see hand-to-mouth cultures in the little shops along the side of the road because they have individual packets of things. And you can go buy one little individual packet for that day because you have enough money to survive that day. When the world locked down, those people had nothing. They were desperate. And so through our partnership with Send Relief, we've given out $3 million of food and medical supplies around the world during COVID. And we've been able to give help and hope, the hope of the gospel along with that, as we've been out sharing the good news. Recently, one of our national partners was in a Muslim part of of South Asia, and he was sharing with Muslims who had nothing. They had no food. And he learned to share his testimony in the gospel. And 18 Muslims came to faith in Christ in the last few months in one particular area of South Asia and been baptized already. Combining help and hope, getting the good news to the nations among the poor when they're so open to hearing the gospel. But another partner was out in a slum area and he saw a door slightly ajar and he pushed it open an entire family had taken their lives. They lost hope. They had no help. As Carl Henry so aptly put it, the gospel is only good news if it gets there on time. We're praying it gets there on time, and it takes an urgency to get the gospel to people in darkness on time. Pray for people from different religious backgrounds, and I as I've already shown, there are lots of people from different religious backgrounds, even in your area. There are Buddhists and Jains and Sikhs and Muslims and uh, Hindus living all around us in our world today. And we, we have opportunity to reach people who have come among us from the other side of the world. Again, you don't have to go to the other side of the world to reach these nations. But in many places, it takes an outsider to get a spark going among a people. But when they become believers... From those backgrounds, they become some of the best evangelists among their own people in sharing the good news of Christ. And so we go as missionaries to get that spark going, to give people an opportunity to hear. We also go to model how to do that because many believers live in fear of doing that with people from other religious backgrounds. And So it sometimes takes courage and modeling to be able to help others to to begin to do that as well. And then we pray for people from different ethnicities, the the Pantata Ethne in, in the Great Commission, all the peoples. The Japanese, one of the biggest unreached people groups in the world today, numbering 123 million people. There are 40 million people spread out in that Tokyo Valley. Many of them never having an opportunity To hear the gospel. And in Bangladesh, their people groups number 150 million plus in population. They're, They're located in an area the size of Iowa, which has 3 million people population. That's a lot of people in a small area. Many of them having never heard the gospel yet. And in Turkey, 70 million Turks. 99% 99% Muslim with a government that's growing more and more hostile to the good news of Christ. Is there variety in your prayers? We ought to be praying for those that would be before that throne one day, from every nation, tribe, people, and language. So add variety to your prayer life. Pray for the powerful. Paul says here, he exhorts, exhorts us to pray for kings and those who are in High positions or positions of authority. That means to have preeminence, to be held above, to have superiority. Our prayers ought to be focused on those powerful people. Now Paul is writing under the the reign of the crazed emperor Nero. There weren't a lot of Christians in government in those days. And he's saying pray for these people in positions of authority. That the gospel may have an opportunity to flourish when Prime Minister Modi took over the country several years ago, he unleashed a reign of persecution against the church, and pastors have been arrested and incarcerated and beaten, and some even to death. In India, in the Gujarat state, uh, in Gujarat, they have idols set up to worship him in some of the temples there. Now, what do we pray for? Paul, Paul doesn't say, Lord, blast Nero into oblivion. Now, he says, pray in such a way that we may lead a a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. Now, how does that happen? Well, leaders of countries can provide an umbrella so that the gospel can flourish and flow among their people. We know that during the Pax Romana, the gospel did have an opportunity to, to flow down those highways and byways, the infrastructure that had been set up, and there were Obviously, times of persecution, but times of peace as well, where the gospel flowed among, among the people. So pray that there would be an umbrella of peace. The Sri Lankan people fought each other in a civil war for three decades. And when peace broke out in that, on that island nation, our team there began to travel all over. They couldn't even go up to the north previously. It was too dangerous. And they began a strategy called Operation Andrew, where they started praying for the peoples of districts. in One particular district, Wesley had a strategy to pray for every person to pray for 10 lost people during that six-month period leading up to an evangelistic outreach. And so they took the names of the people and they plastered them around the wall of the church and they prayed every week for those people. They began to see some people come to faith even before the evangelist came from Georgia to have that evangelistic strategy. But when they came, they saw the Lord do amazing work. In one week, 375 people came to faith in Christ in that district. The church that Wesley was a part of, the Poldua Church, saw 90 new believers come to faith in Christ. And Wesley, who had been back about a year from the stateside, had shared with, he said, hundreds of people, very little fruit. He saw 27 come to faith that one week. And he said, you know, Todd, the only thing different was that I prayed for people specifically by name for six months. And then we went out and shared the gospel with them and they were open and they were ready to hear and receive the gospel of Christ. Are you praying that an umbrella would continue in our country? This good news is not a popular message in our day. When we say there's only one way to God through Christ, that's not a popular message in our culture. And so pray that that umbrella of peace would continue in our land. Pray that that gospel would go out here in Wake Forest and that you'd continue to have that opportunity of sharing the gospel in an umbrella of peace so the gospel would flourish. Pray for persecutors those powerful people, those persecutors. Pray for leaders of other lands who are hard on Christians. They, they pummel the Christians there. President Xi of China has unleashed a reign of persecution. Large church buildings have been destroyed in that land. They're persecuting the church like not has happened in decades. And so pray for the believers there to stand firm during this time of persecution, as the persecution has flowed out. In 2012, they outlined their strategy in, in a document called Document 9, where they wanted to get rid of any outside influence in China. And it seems to be happening. Pray for the Taliban. The Taliban are probably near to Nero as we can think of today. They have their hands now on government data of those who put Christian on their religion, their their national identity cards. They had to put religion, and so many of them decided to put Christian because they wanted to leave a legacy for their family. And now there are posters up around Kabul with the faces of those who have declared themselves to be followers of Christ. Pray for them, that they would stand firm in the face of terrible persecution to come. As soon as the foreigners out are out, I think we're going to see incredible persecution break out against the church there. But pray for Saul's to become Paul. It still happens in our day. Matthew was doing a church planting training outside of Kathmandu, and there was a young guy who came that no one really knew, but he was really friendly, and he wanted to be a part of it. And so uh, they said, okay, come on in, and He said he was kind of overly friendly through the week, but on the last day in the last hour, he stood up. and He said, I've lied to you. I'm not a believer. I lead a radical Hindu group, and I came here to learn how to dispute Christianity. But as you were just sharing the gospel again, I had this chill come through my body, and I knew I believed a lie, and I knew that Jesus was the way. And I want to give my life to Christ right now. And he did that. At the end of that training, he he came forth and he gave his life to Christ. They walked 30 minutes up the hill to be baptized. And on the way, he stopped and shared the gospel with a friend of his that he knew in one of the houses along the way. Saul's still become Paul's in our day. Pray for them to come to faith in Christ. So so we pray for a variety of people. We pray for powerful people. We pray for those that are persecutors. Why? Why? Because God desires all people to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. The prayers of God's people are for a purpose. They're so that we would be able to proclaim the the gospel to uh, people who need to hear. We'd be able to proclaim God's word to people living in darkness. This is a great evangelism passage for us, a great missions passage, encapsulated right there. So we pray, we pray for all nations. We proclaim to all peoples. Verse 7, For this I was appointed a preacher and an apostle. I'm telling the truth. I'm not lying, a teacher of the Gentiles in faith and truth. So we pray and then we proclaim. That word proclaim is the word for herald. It's a great ancient word. It was the word used for someone who came out after a great Roman victory and he would proclaim the good news of victory. We have good news of victory, don't we? We have good news of Christ to proclaim to people who have yet to come to know him. And that's the challenge we have is being proclaimers of that good news from wake forest to the ends of the earth. That's our challenge. Every week around the world, 275,000 times the gospel is proclaimed. But the challenge is that 1.5 million people are born every week in the world. The population continues to outpace the proclamation of the gospel. So pray that more proclaimers would come forth and be a part of that. So why do we pray and proclaim? God desires the salvation of all people. Verse 4, God desires all people to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. Our praying for the world is motivated by God, who has a passion to see all peoples come to faith in Him. Now, this doesn't say that all people will be saved. People have to make that commitment. They have to choose to follow the Father through the Son by the power of the Holy Spirit. They have to choose to embrace Christ in their lives. This isn't a popular message in our world today. It's not a politically correct message. But God desires all peoples to have an opportunity. He desires the the Japanese and the Bengalis and the Turks to have an opportunity to hear the gospel. And he desired Raj on a hot afternoon to hear and respond to the gospel. I was with uh, with a group of team leaders. We were riding bikes around a large South Asian city in some areas where they were planning some satellite cities of about a million each. And so as we were riding and praying Uh, Our our guide that day was Raj, and Wesley had begun sharing the, the message with Raj, sharing the good news with Raj, and we stopped under this big tree. And Raj asked us, do you know what this tree is? I said, well, right now it's a really good shade tree. It's a hot day. He said, this is the judgment tree. This is where the elders of the village bring people who have transgressed the laws of the village, the rules of the village, and they pass judgment under him pass judgment on him under this tree. I said, really? Well, Raj, did you know that there's a judge that's coming? Jesus is coming to judge the world. I shared my testimony with Raj that afternoon and shared the gospel with him again, following up with what Wesley had shared with him. And he was tracking right along, which was sort of unusual. And I asked him, Raj, do you understand this? He said, yes, I do. I said, Raj, would you like to accept Christ right now? He said, yes, I would. And I asked him another question. I said, Raj, are you willing to put away all of your idols? Because I knew in his home there was a little idol shelf and there were idols there. And every morning his family would, would make offerings to those idols. I said, Raj, you, you can't be a part of that anymore. You can't give offerings to other idols and worship Jesus. And he said, I understand that. I'm ready to, to follow Christ. And so we knelt under the judgment tree that day and Raj gave his life. Christ. Why do we pray and proclaim? Because Christ delivers one way home for all nations. Verse 5, for there is one God and there is one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. There's one God. That seems like such a simple statement, but in some parts of the world that's a radical statement. There is one God. Monotheism drives our mission. Isaiah 45 Isaiah wrote, and there is no other God besides me, a righteous God and a Savior. There is none except me. Turn to me and be saved, all the ends of the earth, for I am God and there is no other. There is not another God for other people. There is one God. There is one Lord that we should give honor and glory to right here in Wake Forest. There is only one God that the animus of Molly should turn and worship. There is Only one God that the Muslims of the Maldives should turn and worship. There is only one God. I remember a new believer in India telling me, you mean I only have to worship one God now? Yes, Jesus is your Lord. And he is the only one that you should worship now. Why do we pray and proclaim? Because Christ died to rescue all peoples. Christ Jesus gave himself as a ransom for all, which is the testimony given at the proper time. There there is one God and one mediator between God and man, the the man Christ Jesus. Christ paid the ransom for us. He rescued us out of bondage and sin. God, in, in all his holiness and righteousness, perfect in all his judgments, wants to save us, wants to rescue us through Christ. We are sinful in all our ways and worthy of judgment. And we needed someone who would stand in the gap. Holy God, sinful man, who would stand in the gap and bring us together? But Christ, he is the only one through his death on the cross, his blood shed for our sin, brings us together through that sacrifice. And he paid the penalty for our sin on the cross he is the only mediator the holy God fully God fully man bringing us together into a relationship with the father that's the message that first Baptist centered and took to an unreached people group in South Asia in 2006 when they adopted the badia people they began praying and they prayed for the badia people for five years they went every year to try to find the Baidia people. They couldn't find them. They, they finally connected with one of our IMB missionaries who, who said, well, let me try to find some Baidia people. I live in the area where, you, you, where they're located, where they should be located. And so at his next church planning training, he asked anyone if they knew any Baidia or if there were any Badia in that training time. There's over 2,200 people groups in India alone. And a man raised his hand. He said, I'm Badia. He said, really? Share your testimony. When did you come to know Christ? He said, well, I came to know Christ within the last five years. He said, there are five others in my village who have also come to know Christ within the last five years. When First Baptist Church centered and started praying, the Badia started coming. They started coming to Christ, giving their life to Christ. Well, you can imagine... First Baptist Church Centerton was almost ready to give up, and then Pastor Stuart Bell said, You know, you don't adopt someone and then unadopt them. We're going to stay with this. And they did. The next year, they were so excited to go and meet these new believers. They went to the village that year and they shared more with them, and five more came to faith in Christ. Today, there are hundreds of Badia believers. They've started a training center in their area. They're seeking to reach 41 other unreached people groups that are all around them. Now they have a vision to reach their own peoples living around them as well. Why do we pray and proclaim? So that these would have an opportunity to hear this good news and worship our Savior. And One day they will be gathered around that vision in Revelation 7:9. Every nation, tribe, people, and language worshiping the Lord Jesus Christ. The veil came down. Faith came forth. They understood and believed the good news of Christ. There are God-prepared people out there in your community as you go out and you share the gospel of Christ. There are people just waiting for you to come and share that good news Will you pray that they come to faith in Christ? Will you go and be a proclaimer to those that don't know people in your own community yet? And will you give generously to the mission God has called us to, of reaching the nations, those that are still waiting after 2,000 years of receiving the Great Commission? At the IMB, we're praying that the Lord would raise up another 500 additional missionaries to do this work. A couple of years ago, we had all our leaders in Richmond, and we asked them, what would it take to get to the final people groups? And as we added up those numbers, it came to about 500. And so we began praying, Lord, give us 500 more. And then we also are praying for 500 global missionary partners. These are partners that come from other countries that we've been a part of working in for 176 years. We've helped start 140 Baptist conventions and associations around the world, and many of them want to send their own missionaries now. And so they've come to us and asked us to help them start their own sending organizations, and and now they're sending to work with our teams on the other side of the world. So in the midst of COVID, we've sent out 27 already since last fall sending them out to work with our teams of reaching the nations for Christ. And then we want to engage 75 cities with comprehensive strategies to reach these mega cities. At the end of the century, 80% of the world's population will live in global cities. Some of the largest cities in the world will be in Sub-Saharan Africa. Kinshasa, over 80 million. Lagos, over 80 million. It's mind-boggling to think of those cities being that big in the future. And so we've got to figure out how do we do this now so we can begin to engage those cities with the gospel. In order to do that, of course, we need resources. So we want to thank you for patroning so well last night and continue to patron as you come forth to give your offering today. Thank you for joining with us and partnering together. We want to serve you well at the IMB. And so thank you for this partnership we have. As you give to the Light of Moon Christmas Offering, you're supporting over 3,600 missionaries and their 2,800 children as well. So thank you for your generosity in giving through the cooperative program and the Light of Moon Christmas Offering. Through the cooperative program, churches across the convention partner together to be able to support the seminary, uh, to be able to support the North American Mission Board and the work of the International Mission Board. So thank you for that. And then pray. Pray that the Lord would continue to use you as a sending church. I have to commend you. You've sent us some of our best workers we've had in the world. So thank you, North Wake Church, for sending us some wonderful missionaries and servants of the Lord. And uh, some of them are sitting right here in this room today. So thank you for that. As I close, let me ask you, do you know Christ as your mediator? Is he your Savior? I would be remiss not to give you that challenge. If you haven't made Christ your Savior today, like Rod's did under the judgment tree that day, come and make Christ your Savior. Choose to follow him in your life. You won't regret it. No turning back. No turning back. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this word you've given us, this challenging word from Paul to Timothy, and we seek to engage with that word today and try to apply it in our own lives through the church. Lord, I thank you for the North Wake Church and how they engage in this mission so strategically and effectively. Lord, I thank you for the pastoral team here, for Larry and the team, Rob. And Lord, I I pray that you would continue to strengthen the work of their hands. Lord, keep them healthy and visionary. Help them to continue to raise up laborers, Lord, through challenging people to to consider the calling, Lord. we, We pray as our good shepherd, Lord, that you would raise up more laborers for the harvest. You are the Lord of the harvest, and you ask us to pray for laborers, and I would continue to do that. Lord, we thank you for these 20 that are in the pipeline, and pray that you'd raise up another 20 right behind them to go and do the work. Lord, we pray that you would help us to be light and salt right here in our community and even to the ends of the earth. For it's in Christ's name we pray.